So it's called reverse mentoring. Let them set the example for how you're supposed to live with just, you know, kids don't have worries, live carefree. They've got faith. Come on. We're gonna, we're, we are concluding our sermon series, Pew Sitter to Pillar today. So if you have a smartphone or a tablet, we do have a live event. So just want to give just some real quick instructions here. Um, if, you have, if you don't know what version is or you never use that, I just encourage you to download that app that's going to be on the Play Store or on Google Play. It's called version. It's a Bible app. Please download that. It's awesome. If you have that, look, look me up. You can be friends with me during that. The cool thing about that is it's kind of like, a, it's kind of like Facebook, but not in that you can have friends with people, but it's interactive Bible stuff. So, so you'll be able to see like what kind of things I'm reading. I'll highlight verses. You highlight verses. You can comment on stuff. So it's kind of, it's really cool. So please look at that. Find me. Uh, I think my username is P. Josh Hester or something like that. If not, just look up Joshua Hester. You'll see my picture and it'll be me. So, and then we'll be friends. We'll be you version friends. Kind of like Facebook friends. You know, not real friends, but friends. <laughs> you know they ain't your real friends. I should say associates. So anyways, enough about that. How many of you guys have been enjoying this sermon series that we've been talking about? I think it's been pretty good. If you've missed some of them, we've got some good messages online. Uh, we use SoundCloud, so all of our messages that we uh, share, we do them in series. They're on playlists on SoundCloud. Um, you know, please subscribe if you want to. You can also go back and re-listen to some things. Uh, like, for instance, there was a prophetic word that was given out in Waterville, so that was put on there. So there's just some different things like that that happen. So uh, you can also download the SoundCloud app, and you can have our message. The cool thing is, is if you are serving in a capacity of ministry, like all of our awesome people that are serving back in kids' ministry or in children's ministry, they're watching your kids and teaching them about God, is... You know, they, didn't, they don't have to miss the, the, the message, so they can go right on on. So just remember that. If you're serving in a capacity of ministry where maybe you weren't able to get in the service, don't feel left out. You can just go right online and listen, and I guarantee you'll be blessed. So let's get right on into this, pew sitters to pillars. And so we are going to conclude this with this message here. And so just to give you a little definition of what a pillar is, so if you go and you Google pillar, a, a pillar, the very first the, the first definition is basically it's going to say something that helps to hold up an infrastructure. But the second definition is the definition of what I want to talk about today, which is going to be up on the screens, which is a person or thing regarded as reliable, providing essential support for something. Say reliable. reliable. You guys see, you guys said it good the first time. I didn't make it say it twice. Good job. Friends, God wants us to be reliable. Are you Reliable. Look at your neighbor and say, reliable. 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 God wants to lean on you. Did you know that? You know, we sing the song, leaning on the Lord's side. Yeah, I do. But do you know that God wants to actually lean on you? He does. We're going to get into that in just a minute. God wants to lean on you. A person is a pillar who is someone that is tough enough to allow the weight to lean on them. That's what a pillar is. It's a person that provides essential support for something. Usually in a family, you'll have a person, and they may not be quoted as that, but usually there's a pillar in the family. Usually it's like maybe there's a mom or a grandmother. You know, like they're the one, anytime everyone's ever having problems, who are they calling? 
Or, there's, or maybe it's a sister or, or an aunt. You know, for some reason, her phone is always busy. Why? Because in her family, she is the, say it, pillar. A lot of times what I see happening in church, especially in, in, in uh, urban ministry, is when people, when they, you know, get their life together, God does awesome, incredible work, and, and so they're no longer on drugs, and they're no longer on the street life and all that stuff. They, they become sustainable. They, you know, God starts doing this work. And you see, friends, when God's doing this work, he doesn't just do a spiritual work. He starts working in every area of our life. So he starts working on us emotionally. He starts working on us mentally. He starts, I mean, God, I mean, when God does a work, he does a whole work. He doesn't do a partial work. And so when God starts doing this work on you and starts, starts creating in you the ability to see yourself as he's created you to be, and starts building his character inside of you, then what happens is you start becoming strong. The scripture says that we become uh, on a firm foundation. Amen? And so when you are on a firm foundation, what I see happen is now all the family problems begin to gravitate to you. Yeah, that's true. My bro- you know, uh, my, my brother Dwayne, uh, he's not here today, but, but I've had numerous conversations with, with, with him, and, and because now, you know, because he's a Christian, because he loves God, and because, you know, he's trying to do the best for his family, now, you know, now his cousins are always calling him, his brother's always calling him, the family always calling him for, about drama and all this other stuff. Why? Because he's almost become the pillar of the family just because of, of the foundation of Christ. And Christ wants to do this work inside of us. A pillar provides support for something. Friends, are you providing support? Or are you being supported by someone else? To be a pillar means God gives us the weight. Oh, this is so good. Man, I got this revelation. I was like, wow, and I didn't get this by myself. I got this. Do you know you can get revelation by talking to people? You're talking to people and then something like pops up and you're like, oh my goodness, that was amazing. I was talking to a a buddy of mine a few days ago, and I just want to say this. Check this out. He gives us the weight of presenting the gospel, also the character of representing Christ. Hold on a sec. Check this out. When you become a Christian, this is why God wants to lean on you. Okay, now to be a Christian means to be Christ-like. When you are now infused with Jesus, right? The Spirit of the living God. Check this out. He now entrusts you to represent Him. So there is, I don't know, I don't know if you feel the weight and responsibility of representing him well. (laughs) Because because when people look at you as a Christian, as someone who's Christ-like, they should see Jesus. (laughs) God is leaning on you to represent him well today. Come on, someone, say amen. Amen. That's a good place to say amen. Not that we don't make mistakes and we don't fall short. But friends, the Lord wants us to be pillars in the kingdom that we would represent Him well. That we would carry the responsibility of the gospel. Because it's weighty, friends. Come on, somebody. Come on. This ain't, this ain't like a little social club where you, know, where you get goosebumps and you get gold stars. No, friends, we're talking about lives are at stake here. We're talking about eternity is at stake. This is a weighty thing. This is a very weighty thing. But it's not heavy. Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's why we got to have fear of the Lord. Because fear of the Lord makes us look at our life and say, am I representing Christ well? 
Because I know if I'm not representing Christ well, there are a lot of people out there, when they see church, they think of money, people who want money. They think of people who are hypocrites. They think of people that are judgmental. Come on, there it is. So I'm not going to church because they're about money. They're hypocritical. They're judgmental. People that step away from church for a season, they have a hard time coming back because their mind is thinking, I'm going to be judged when I step back in. So it's our responsibility to represent Christ, to represent the compassion and grace and love of Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on, the devil's beating them up enough. They don't need to come to church to get beat up too. Say amen right there because that's good. There are too many churches that are beating folks up. See, when you come in beat up, good thing, if you get beat up and you go to the hospital, they don't just start beating you up worse. No, what do they do? They begin to bring healing and help, hopefully help you in your wounds. Friends, that's what a church is. A church is a hospital for the sick. You should be able to come in and get bandaged up and empowered to go back out and fight the battle again. Come on. That's not even in the notes. That's a little extra for you. (laughs) Do you look like Jesus today? God wants to use you to build. Say, God wants to use me to build. Yep, come on. 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to read a few verses, verse 4 through 6. It says, you are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor, and you are living stones. Say living stones. That God is building into his spiritual temple. Say spiritual temple. Come on. What's more is you are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. We don't, have, we don't offer regular sacrifices like they used to do back in the Judeo days, where they would have to slaughter lambs and goats and calves and birds. Jesus paid it once for all with his blood. And now what we offer is now spiritual sacrifice. What's a spiritual sacrifice? It says it in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says... Therefore, I I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's what a spiritual sacrifice is. When you're saying, God, I'm giving myself to you. You lay yourself on the altar. Come on, someone. (laughs) Come on, you're the Isaac of the New Testament. See, somebody didn't get that. That's all good. Friends, we together are the body of Christ building the kingdom of God together. See, the Old Testament temple was built and leaned upon pillars. Again, friends, God wants to lean on us. He wants to lean on you. 1 Kings chapter 7, verse 21. See, David had in his heart to build a temple for God. See, God was in a tent in the Old Testament and moved around. And David said, God, I know, first off, I want to just let you know that I know that you cannot be con- contained in buildings Because the heavens are your throne and the earth is your footstool. But God, I want to make a house for you. And do you know that God looked down on David and said, you want to make a house for me? He said, it's very honorable. And I love the fact that you want to do that. But because you have shed so much blood, you can't do that. But your son can. And so what happened? Solomon built the temple. Beautiful, gorgeous, elaborate. I mean, spared no expense. 
And then there were the two pillars in the front of the temple. I mean, think of this gorgeous temple with these humongous two pillars right in the front. And these pillars had names. One of them was Jachin, which means he establishes. The other one is Boaz, in him is strength. So these two pillars, what? They what? They held because what does a pillar do? It, it is reliable. It provides essential support. These two pillars held up the temple roof, right? <laughs> but see, this, this is what's so funny. Why did the temple's pillars have names? Have you ever personified something before? Anybody here have a vehicle that they personified? Give it a name? A something, a thing, not, not an animal. Has anyone here ever personified something? A car, usually a car, or a boat, or a motorcycle. If you don't have any of those things, I know you want one, pray harder, maybe you'll get one. But see, there's this thing inside of us where we personify objects. See, now God isn't like that like for us. So anytime God does something in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, no, it's on purpose. Check this out. You ready for this? Hold on. You see, God personified, gave names to the pillars, because see, in the Old Testament, there was a foreshadowing of what the New Testament is. See, in the Old Testament, you can see Jesus. Did you know that? In the Old Testament, Jesus was the ark that Noah was on, that spared him, saved him from destruction. In the Old Testament, Jesus was Isaac, the sacrificial lamb. Are you getting this? Over and over and over again, see, we call that foreshadowings, where there are pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament that pointed to him in the New Testament. Well, friends, here, just hold on here. Are you holding on? Are you listening with your spiritual ears? See, friends, in the New Testament, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the reason God personified pillars in the Old Testament is because it was a foreshadowing of what God wanted to do in us. That there would be names of people that would be pillars in the kingdom of God. Come on, somebody, say amen right there. See, some of y'all ain't getting this. Y'all looking at me like... What is he talking about? I ain't getting this. See, this is called revelation. It's when you, die, when you dig deep into the Word and the, Lord be, and the Lord begins to speak spiritual truths into your life. So in the name of Jesus, I pray that your ears would be here, would, would hear, and that your eyes would be open to see today. Because the Lord wants to give you something meaty today. Come on, someone. Wake up today. See, the God of the universe... Put pictures in the Old Testament. Foreshadow. And that's why he said we're the spiritual stones. He's the cornerstone. In Galatians chapter 2 verse 9. Check this out. There's no longer personification. It's written out there very bold. Galatians chapter 2 verse 9. In fact. Say in fact. Come on someone. Say in fact. (laughs) I'm getting excited because I love God's word. So good. Man, his word is so good. Come on, it'll change you. It'll make you a new, a new man, make you a new woman. Very plain. Galatians chapter 2, verse 9. In fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, come on, somebody. Oh my goodness. 
recognized the, the gift God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued the work. What are they talking about? They're no, no, no longer talking about these, these, a personification of an object that holds up, holds up the, the, the temple. He's talking about people that he's using to stand strong and stand firm to build his spiritual temple. <laughs> Man, you guys are not getting it today. Because see, if, I, if you guys are talking back to me, I know you're getting it. Maybe it's just sinking down so deep, you just got to, whew. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. So, so that if I'm delayed, you will know that the people must conduct themselves in the house of God. Here we go. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and foundation of truth. He's saying the church, okay, here, let's hear. We're going to X out a few of these words so that you know. This is the church, and he's given the description, which is the pillar. So he's talking about people. We're not talking about a building. See, sometimes we, we want to go to church. You can't go to church. You are the church. You come to a meeting place. This is a building. You don't go to church. You are the church. So he's saying, this is the church, the people, which are the pillars. Come on. <laughs> Friends, it is your destiny to be a pillar. I almost, I almost heard my brain. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just a big movie junkie. I almost hear in my brain Luke Skywalker being talked to by Darth Vader. And he's saying, Luke, it is your destiny. I mean, I almost hear that in my brain as I'm thinking, friends, it is, it is your destiny to be a pillar. your destiny see a few a pew sitter sits back and watches others as they engage a pew sitter it's kind of like the servant in the parable of the talents where he buried his talent and then he had to answer the to the master for it you see friends there's a season of being a pew sitter say pew sitter there's a season of being a pew sitter if you are new in church i don't expect you to be a pillar you can't be a pillar. A pillar has to be built. You don't just go outside and, and pick up a pillar and build with it. No. It has to be fashioned and formed and created by a person that is an expert so that when, when, when an infrastructure is built, do you see, you see these columns right here? See all these columns across the top? Do you know what those are? I-beams. It's the support system to keep this roof from caving in on us. Thank you, Lord. The Masons built this building very well. It's almost 100 years old. They did one thing right. Thank you, Lord. But see, you, didn't, you don't just go outside and there's pillars. No. See, we start as pew sitters. We start where we're sitting and listening and, and God is doing this work in us. And, and, and we're, we're engaging and we're like, this is fresh and new. And especially if you've ever sat in a, a more traditional setting, you come into a service like this and you're like, these guys are crazy. Yes, I am. When you're used to, when you, if you're used to standing up and sitting down and, and organs blowing and, 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 and the, you know, and, and, or reading it and singing out of a book and you know all the words, you come into an atmosphere like this and you get freaked out. I've been in ministry long enough to know that. See, I, 
I wasn't privileged to, to be raised in church, so when I sat in an atmosphere like this, it was kind of cool. I'm like, this is kind of cool. You know? I was like, you know? I was getting high coming to church and getting high going home, but I was like, this is cool. But then God began to do a work. Come on. So you sit as a pew sitter long enough, God starts doing a work in you. There's a season to be a pew sitter. But understand your assignment isn't to be a pew sitter. The assignment of God on your life is to be a pillar. If you are a Christian, if you are a son of God, if you are a daughter of God, if you are uh, a kingdom of priests, a royal priesthood, then your destiny is to be a pillar. It's your life assignment that you would be reliable, that you would be strong, that you would be sturdy. I'm going to make up a new word here. That you would be leanable. Wow. Somebody can lean on you. Pillars don't crush under pressure. They were built to withhold the weight. Friends, we are all building together the kingdom of God. See, in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 44, Jesus said that those who talking about himself, right, Jesus himself, is the solid rock on which I stand, all other grounds are. Oh my goodness, you guys need help today. Lord, let's try that again. I'll give you a second chance. You guys are asleep today. See, I had two shots of espresso today. <laughs> Man. See, I had four hours of sleep. So I'm like, went through Starbucks or, or went through Big B. And they're like, you want a shot of espresso? We got a double shot? I'm like, sure. <laughs> like, woo! See, I don't usually drink coffee, so... In Matthew chapter 21, verse 44, Jesus said, those who the rock falls upon or those who, who the, the stone falls upon, talking about himself, he was, he was talking about him being the rock. He says, they will be humbled. Anyone who falls on this stone will be broken. He wants you to be broken today, friends. That you would fall upon him. That you would lean upon him. But then it says, see, these are the pew sitters. But it says, but those... Whom the rock falls upon will be crushed. Why? Pillars aren't crushed under pressure. But pew setters are. Pillars aren't crushed under pressure. You know how much weight this, this thing weighs on top? Probably thousands of pounds. Do you see these I-beams bowing and bending? No. They don't bend and bow under pressure. They were created to withhold it. See, pillars... Hold up well under pressure. Pew setters, they're crushed when the pressure comes down. Pew setters get crushed under pressure. Friends, if you find yourself being crushed under pressure, maybe it's time for you to move from the pew setter part, moving along to becoming more of a pillar. And it's going to be his, you, you don't have to make it happen, so it's not like, how can I become a pillar? No, you just keep saying yes to God, and He develops in you the ability. To be a pillar. If you'd have looked at me 20 years ago, I didn't have the capacity to oversee a church, let alone oversee two churches. I was a North End Street hood rat. Come on. There it is. But see, when God does the work and you say yes to Him, you'll find yourself doing things you never thought you could do. See, God wants to awaken the dream in you again today. Do it, Lord. Your destiny, your purpose, your assignment is to be a pillar. 
Your Christian experience may start on sitting, but friends, when you say yes to God, and yes to His Word, and yes to prayer, and yes to serving people, and yes to being reliable, then friends, eventually you will find yourselves no longer sitting, but you will find yourselves standing and holding the responsibility of God. It's, it's, it's a metamorphosis that happens naturally when God is depositing inside of you. See, see spiritual growth, it, 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 it doesn't happen necessarily by osmosis, meaning it doesn't just happen by itself. But if you are putting yourself, if you're feeding yourself with the right things, you're going to find yourselves becoming strong in the Lord. I look at my 13-year-old son, almost 14 years old, and he's like this. I'm like, that little sucker was like that big not too long ago. He's being fed well. He's growing. Friends, when you're fed well, you're going to grow. He's going to give us the kingdom responsibility of Jesus. A hope ambassador, a love ambassador, a grace ambassador. Friends, it's sad when I see people go from pew sitters to pew quitters. Wow. So you need to set it in your heart, friends. Set it in your spirit. You need to say to yourself, I'm not going to go from a pew sitter to a quitter. I'm going to go from a pew sitter to I no longer get bitter. Wow. You're going to go from a sitter to I no longer jitter. You're going to go from a sitter to, I no longer live for glitter. Come on, somebody. You're going to go from a sitter to, I don't tolerate no critter. (laughs) You're going to go from a sitter to, I have an appetite for an apple fritter. You're going to go from a sitter to, now I'm a demon hitter. You're going to go from a sitter to, come on, put my message on Twitter. You're going to go from a sitter to a Bible verse spitter. Come on, someone. No longer a pew sitter. You're going to be a Bible verse spitter. <laughs> See, I can only say that here in South Toledo. Try to say that in Waterville, they ain't going to get it. Revelation chapter 3. Love those people out there. Revelation chapter 3, verse 12. This is amazing. One word, we're going to say it together. The one who is, let's say it together. Victorious. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the kingdom of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write them, oh, I love this. I will write on them a new name. Man, what's God's name for me? I don't know, but I'm waiting. I will write on them a name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down to heavens from our God, and I will also write on them my new name. I, I can't wait to know what that name is. <laughs> I don't get excited about it. Jesus stuff, I love it. Love it. God's got a new name for you. Do you know that? See, see, some people, when they get redeemed, when they get redeemed, and they got a street name, that has to go. Wow. One of my, one of my, my buddies, his name is Florencio. He went by Larry. They used to call him short on the street. I told him, I said, you're no longer short. I said, actually, you don't even go by Larry. Your name is Florencio. You know what Florencio means? Flourishing. That's your name. Don't go. You ain't short no more. You're not going to be cut short. You're not going to fall short. You're going to flourish. God's got a new name for you. 
who you are in Christ. That's your new name. Not what you were. My name isn't no longer North Hood Street Hood Rat. Or whatever it might have been. Victorious, I love it. It says, the one who is victorious. Well, first off, you can't be victorious unless you have a battle. See, you can't be victorious unless you fight a few battles. Look at your neighbor and say, fight a few battles. See, there's people, they want all the the things of Jesus without fighting. You've got to fight a few battles. And I'm not talking about street battles where you square up against somebody and you know, and then you record it and put it on Facebook. I'm not talking about all that stupid crap. I'm talking about the battle within yourself. I'm talking about the battle against the enemy, Satan. I'm talking about the battle against temptation. I'm talking about the battle against sin and wickedness. See, you're victorious when you stand against sin and wickedness. See, all too, see we're fighting against the wrong enemy. We look at a person in the flesh and we think they're our enemy. They're not the enemy. It's the one behind the scenes that's provoking them that's the enemy. Because the scripture says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we wrestle, or another translation says, we do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness and spiritual wickedness in heavenly realms. So your victory isn't your championship belt that you got from WWE or that you got uh, winning a, a, a UFC fight. No, the battle that, that makes you victorious is the battle that you have against the enemy. The battle that you have against the, the, the flesh of your own sinful nature. The battle against temptation and wickedness. Friends, when you're victorious and you stand against those things, then you become a pillar. You can't become a pillar unless you win a few battles. Victorious. Say victorious. victorious. Somebody needs to name their daughter Victory. Middle name. That's prophetic. Somebody needs to name their victory. If you do that, please don't do that unless the Lord calls you to do that. Don't, you're just because I said so. I, I believe there is a prophetic word over our church, and it's called victorious. Victorious. Here it is, and this one, this is the toughest one right here, guys. The battle of walking in obedience. It don't matter how strong how firm, how reliable you are, how much God leads on you, how much responsibility you have, the battle of obedience you will always fight. You have to fight to say yes to God every day. What's obedience? Obviously there's obedience to a word where we stay no to sin. But then there's the obedience of everyday life where God is, is laying out for you the assignment on your life and are you answering it? Because the assignment on Pastor Earl's life he will answer for. I won't answer for. The assignment on my, on my life, I will answer for. Miss Pat will not answer for. You will answer for the assignment of God on your life, whether you walk in obedience. And know this, God isn't giving you like this big, huge thing that, that you, that's not attainable, that's not un, that, that you can't attain, that you can't become. See, when God sees you, He sees your giftings and He sees your talents and He sees what He deposited in you and all He wants you to do is let that out. He doesn't want you to become something that you can't become. See, all too often people are on the track trying to become something they were never called to become. See, you're going to find yourself spinning your wheels and becoming frustrated and failure after failure because maybe you're trying to walk in something that's not supposed to be you. But I can't tell you what that is. And as prophetic as, as, as Pastor Steve is, he can't tell you what that is. We can give you little nuggets to help you along the way to encourage you to that, but only God tells you what that is. 
And if it's audacious, then most likely it's of God. Because if you can do it in your own strength, then that's not a dream. <laughs> see, people, get, people start getting all quiet when I start talking about dreams and stuff. Because see, we get so comfortable, we just like to live day by day, live in the comfortable. God doesn't want you to be comfortable. He wants you to be victorious. He wants you to be obedient. Friends, it doesn't matter how good you look, how clean you look, how fresh you look in church. What matters is how obedient are you to him, to the call of God in your life. It doesn't matter how good you look, it matters how obedient you are. Friends, if you're looking at someone in church and you wonder, well, why are they so blessed? Why is their marriage so good? Why are they so prosperous? Why do they have such favor on their life? Do you know that people in church look at people with blessing envy? Blessing envy. Envy of envious of somebody else's blessing. Isn't he your same daddy? Have we got the same daddy? Is his arm too short for you and long enough for me? See, the problem is, and this is where we're gonna we're gonna get into this just for a little bit before we close. See, the problem is, is there's blessings for obedience. And there's curses for disobedience. See, friends, I'm not a prosperity preacher, but I'm an obedience preacher. Deuteronomy chapter 28, first 14 verses, talks about, it's headlined. Look at it in the Bible. Blessings for obedience. That's how it's headlined. First 14 verses of the, of the book of Deuteronomy talk about the blessings. You will be the head and not the tail. You will prosper. All these different things. What? Blessings for obedience. But then you go down and there's like 54 verses of curses that happen to people who walk in disobedience. And I I feel the Lord is kind of prophetically calling me to declare this thing because I believe that there are people in here that are walking in things they didn't even realize that it was because of disobedience or because of generational curses of disobedience. For example... Verse 28, I'm, we're not going to read the whole thing, I'm just going to read a few verses. Verse 28, it says, this is one of the curses of disobedience. Say disobedience. disobedience. See, you've got to hear this. It says, it says, the Lord will afflict you with madness, blindness, and confusion of mind. Friends, here in South Toledo, there are lots of people that deal with mental illness. I'm going to go ahead and say it, and if you want to cast a stone at me, then cast a stone at me, I don't care. Because I believe, this is, I believe this is a mandate of the Lord. I believe there is demonic oppression on South Toledo with, with blindness of mind, madness of mind, with, with mental illness because of generations of disobedience. Whew. I just felt a sur- surge of the Holy Spirit even as I said that. I believe that the reason why South Toledo has such a capacity of mental illness isn't even necessarily because you did anything wrong. Because we're going to get into to, to this where there is generations. And you just fell into that. <laughs> Affliction, madness, blindness, confusion of mind. What's that? I, I read that. I'm like, that's mental illness. It's a curse of disobedience. Oh, my goodness. Verse 45. This is good. So you all need to get this. Verse 45 and 46. It says, all these curses will come upon you. 
They will pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the Lord your God and observe the commands and decrees he gave you. Oh my goodness. These will be a sign and a wonder to you and your descendants forever. See, we want signs, wonders, and miracles in the kingdom. In the book of Deuteronomy chapter 28, it says that the curses are going to be a sign and a wonder. So when you have generations of people that are dealing with mental illness and blindness and madness of mind, he's saying that is a sign and a wonder that there is disobedience that's happening. Come on, somebody say amen. You need to say amen right there. And if you're feeling this cut you to the heart, then let it do so. Because it's the word of the Lord. Let it penetrate. A sign and a wonder. I read that. I was like, oh my goodness. There are demonic signs and wonders. Not the false prophet kinds. We're like, we're all, everybody's looking for false prophets. Watch out for the false prophets and the Jesuses that are going to come and lead people astray. What about the signs and wonders of disobedience? Oh my gosh. I wanted to slap myself in the face when I read that. It's like, bam. We got a few more verses here. Go back. You need to go back and read Deuteronomy 28. Might change your mind about how you're living. A few more verses here. Verse 48. There will be hunger and thirst. I'm going home. Bye. See you guys later. We have a ministry where we serve hot meals, Vision Kitchen, three times a week. And I'm not against that. I think we should absolutely love our community. But do you know that ministry is in place because of a whole generation of disobedience? In nakedness and in dire poverty, you will serve the enemies of the Lord sent against you. He will put you an iron yoke around your neck until he has destroyed you. Friends, poverty is a curse of disobedience. We have generational poverty. Generational poverty. There are people that have been living in poverty for six generations. You were in poverty. Your parents were in poverty. Your grandparents were in poverty. Your grandparents' grandparents were in poverty. Generations of disobedience. See, he gives you, he lets us know these things, but we don't get into the word to know this. Well, why does this happen? Why does that happen? Friends, when, if it's happening, we can change it. Just a few more verses. I don't want to beat you up too bad. I'm not actually beating you up at all. This is the word. It's good. <laughs> Verse... <laughs> Verse 58 and 59. It says, if you do not carefully follow the words of the law. Bible. Say Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the word for me. Stand upon the word alone. If you do not carefully, 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 carefully follow the words of the law which are written in this book and you do not revere the glorious and awesome name of the Lord your God. Isn't he glorious? We just sung about it today. He's glorious. The Lord will send fearful plagues on you and your descendants. Say descendants. That's generational. Come on. Your kids. Friends, if you don't straighten up, your kids are going to be plagued by your disobedience. I 100% wholeheartedly, with all my heart, believe in generational curses and generational blessing. It's in the Word. It's in the Word. He says... The Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate. You know, you want to know about the character of God? Let him tell you from his own mouth. He'll tell you how he is. Don't let somebody else tell you how he is. 
The Lord, he said it. Moses like, he says, I want to see you. Show me your glory. He said, you can't see me. You'll die, son. Let me hide you up in the cleft of the rock. I'm going to stick my hand over you. You can see my rear end. <laughs> That's what he said. Look it up. He said, you can see behind me. So you can see my rear. And what happened? There was a herald that was before him. It said, the Lord, the Lord, gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding and love and faithfulness to a thousand generations of those who love me. thousand generations. Say generational blessing. It says, but to those who hate me, I will curse down to the third and fourth generation. What's that? Say gener- generational curse. Okay? So he's saying your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters will serve and linger illness. Okay, we, okay one more, uh, a few more verses here. Verse 65 and 66. It says, among the nations, you'll find no response, no rest for the sole of your foot. Kind of sounds like a lot of nomadic living like in South Toledo. Come on. There the Lord will give you an anxious mind. You know how much anxiety? Man, there are so many people that are making so much money. Man, I should I, I, I went in the wrong field. If I wanted to make money, I should have been a therapist. <laughs> Spiritual therapist. <laughs> All right. The session will cost you two fifty. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> two dollars and fifty cents. <laughs> no. <laughs> Check this out. Anxious mind, eyes weary with longing. You know what that means? Tired. You're never satisfied. Despairing heart. You will live in constant suspense. You know those folks. Filled with dread both day and night. Never sure of your life. And I'm just just sharing these things. I mean, have you seen any of these fruits and the people around you. If you've lived in South Salil long enough, I'm sure you have. Maybe some of you in here have dealt with some of these things. But what are these, friends? These are all the curse of disobedience. I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm an obedience preacher. I want to see men and women rise up and walk in obedience of God in their lives. See, there was this guy, his name was, Saul, there, there was, this guy, his name was uh, Samuel. And so he anointed Saul. And Saul became the king of Israel. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him and he began to have victory when he was winning some battles. And then you got to understand authority. In the Old Testament, the only ones that were authorized to do sacrifice were, somebody say it, priests, Levites. See, but he was the king. The king was not authorized to give sacrifices. So he's staying there, and he's waiting, the scripture says, for seven days. He's about to, he wants, see, see, he wants the favor of God on his battle. How many of us want the favor of the Lord on our battles? Amen, come on. Because when the Lord is with you, who can be against you? So he's waiting for seven days for the prophet Samuel to come and do a sacrifice before they go and assault the enemy. But the scripture says he was a long time coming. And it says the men began to murmur amongst themselves. And so, Saul, King Saul, took it upon himself and did the sacrifice by himself. <laughs> as soon as he was finished, who came and showed up? 
Samuel the prophet, right? And he says, what have you done? He says this. King Saul says, I was afraid of the people. So I acted out in disobedience. If you don't remember anything, remember this. He said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience. Friends, obedience, it, it, it doesn't matter about how much you can do for God. It doesn't matter about how much you serve in vision ministries. It doesn't matter how much you're seen doing stuff. It doesn't matter if you're here Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and you're cleaning this building, and you're, and you're helping Pastor Dawn, and, and you're, you're, you're Pastor Earl's new pupil, and you're doing stuff. That's sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God wants your obedience. God wants my obedience. Friends, yeah, yeah. You can share something, and then we're going to take communion today. Yeah, please. Yeah. I think I got it. The Lord showed me something as Pastor Josh was talking this morning. I really feel like I'm supposed to share it. I'll be quick. Um, He showed me that the more pillars you have, the stronger the structure. And I was picturing the art museum, because I think it's one of the most beautiful structures we have in Toledo. If there was just one of those gorgeous columns at the art museum, how strong would that structure be? Not very strong. That whole roof would come crashing in, wouldn't it? So I was, as you were talking, this was really coming clear to me. The more pillars you have, the stronger the structure. So the more pillars Vision Ministry has, the stronger Vision Ministries is going to be. Vision Ministries is not just the pastor's. It's, it's certainly not this building. It is the people. It is the church. So um, I've got, I have my Jesus bumps on me right now. I call it when, I, when you get something from the Lord, and I, I just feel that, you know, I needed to share this today. So, um, so Pastor Josh was talking about be a pillar. It's your destiny. It will not only help you, but it will certainly help this church and the kingdom of God. Friends, stand, stand your feet with me today. We're going to pray and we're going to receive communion. We're just going to take a moment. Scripture says that a man ought to examine himself before he receives communion. Pat, would you help with communion today? Julie, would you help with communion? Thank you, Maddie. We're just going to take a moment. Father, we thank you, God for how good you are to us. And Lord, I pray, I pray in the name of Jesus that no one will leave this place feeling beat up or busted up because God, your word doesn't do that to us. But God, God, thank you that you do challenge us and you do sharpen us. And Father, I believe that you're strengthening us that we might be reliable, sturdy, leanable. God, you want to entrust in us the weight of the gospel and the weight of representing you well. So I, and it doesn't matter where we are in our walk with, 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 with you, God. Whether we just started this journey with you or whether we've been serving you for 30 or 40 years. Thank you that you are speaking to us and you're calling us up. You're calling us So, Father, if we got areas in our life of disobedience and sin and rebellion, wickedness and pride and religion, perversion and fear and anger 
bitterness, resentment, unforgiveness, addiction. We just confess that to you right now, right here. Ooh, yes, God. Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for your great love and your great compassion for us today. And, Father, and I just pray, God, I believe that there are those in here today, maybe they're their walk hasn't been that straight and they're coming back to grips with wanting to say yes to you again. So Father, I pray grace upon grace upon grace to be upon your men and women in here today that are saying, okay God, I'm, I'm, I'm about this again. I'm about this Christ life again, God. I'm about saying yes to you again, God. Thank you. Thank you for those decisions today. And friends, now we're just going to invite you to receive communion. Take communion today.